Welcome back to Untold Cold Cases. In this week's podcast, we're talking about Jack the Ripper, which is also known as Whitechapel Murders. The synopsis of this, so you guys can start getting a feel of it, is that Jack the Ripper killed many prostitutes in the late 1880s. He claimed he was cleaning up the filth of the streets. Many believe he was doing the Whitechapel area a favor, and some believe what he did was wrong and is an injustice to the women who died. What do you think? So now you can start creating the feel of this. I'm going to talk about the timeline. April 3rd, 1888, 1.30 a.m., Emma Smith, a local prostitute, was attacked by a local gang at the junction of Osborne Street and Brick Lane. They robbed her and subjected her to a savage assault. At around 4 a.m. and 5 a.m., Emma Smith arrived back at her lodging house on 18 George Street, where the other residents persuaded her to be taken to the nearby London Hospital. On April 4th, 1888, 9am, Emma Smith dies from her injuries at the London hospitals. April 17th, 1888, the inquest into her death is held at the London hospital. The jury returns a verdict of willful murder against some person or persons unknown. This was the first Whitechapel murder. She was almost certainly not a victim of Jack the Ripper, but she is the first name on the list of Whitechapel murders that later included the victims of Jack the Ripper. On in August 1888, August 17th, 7th, sorry, 7th, 1888, another prostitute, Martha Tebrim, is found stabbed to death on a landing of George Yard Building. On August 31st, 1888, 3.40 a.m., the body of Mary Ann Nichols, also a prostitute, who is calmly held to be Jack Thurper's first victim, is found in Bucks Road, Whitechapel. On September 1st and through 4th, 1888, the police begin questioning the neighborhood prostitutes. They learn about a character who have nicknamed Leather Apron, who has been extorting money from them for the past 12 months. December 5th, 1888, the first newspaper publishers publishes a write-up on Leather Apron, which causes the first members of anti-Semitism district. September 8, 1888, at 6 a.m., the second Jack the Ripper victim, Annie Chapman, is found in the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street. September 10, 1888, Mr. George Lusk, together with several other local businessmen, founded found a mile and vigilance committee, hoping to assist the police with their endeavors to catch the murderer. On September 10th, 1888, at 6 a.m., John Pizer, whom Sergeant Thick maintains is recognized as Leather Apron, is arrested. He can, however, provide alibis for the two recent murders and is released. December 26th, 27th, 1888, a missive addresses to the boss arrives at the Central News Agency. It is signed Jack the Ripper. A name which will turn an unknown miscreant into a world-famous legend. I have the letter here and is read, Dear Boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talks about being on the right track. The joke, That joke about Leather Apron gave me real fits. I'm down on horse and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I left my work and went to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. 
Red ink is bad enough, I hope. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack Dripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. And so that was the letter that he wrote, in which is what it later did say that it was what gave him the now famous name, Jack the Ripper. On September 30th, 1888, at 1 a.m., the body of Elizabeth Stride is found in Burner Street off Commercial Road. On September 30th, 1888, 1.45 a.m., the body of Catherine Eddowes is discovered in Meter Square in the City of London. This means that another police force, the City of London, now joins in the hunt for the murderer. You'll then notice that these are around the same times on September 30th. This is when the Jack the Ripper killed two different women on the same day. So that was then discovered as maybe there was a rise in whatever was going on in him. So we'll see. On October 80, 1888, October 1st, the police make the Jack the Ripper letter public. October 6th. 1888, the Central News Agency received another letter that is signed Jack the Ripper. The police ask him not to make the missive public. October 16th, 1888, Mr. George Lusk receives a letter that is addressed from Hell. It contains half a kidney. There is press speculation that it belonged to Catherine Eddowes. And I have the letter right here. This letter is actually written in a very bad, you know, this person was not educated at all. Maybe a little bit from some of the words, but a lot of it is very misspelled. So, it's from hell, Mr. Luck, sore. I send you half the kidney I took for one woman, Women preserved it for you to other piece I fried and ate it. It was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that took it out if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me when you can, Mr. Luck. On... Now we're in November 1888. November 9, 1888, at 10.45 a.m., 25-year-old Mary Kelly is found dead in her room, which is 13 Miller's Court, Dorset Street, Spitfields. She's believed by many to have been, to have been Jack Durber's last victim. On December 20, 1888, 29-year-old Rose Millet, Millet, also known as Catherine Millet and Lizzie Davis, was found strangled in Clark's Yard off Popular High Street. Despite the fact that several doctors who examined her body gave it as their opinion that she has been strangled, Robert Anderson was convinced that she accidentally hanged herself on the collar of her dress while drunk. Dr. Thomas Bond was there for asked to examine her body, and he agreed with Anderson. However, the jury of her, at her subsequent inquest disagreed and returned a verdict of willful murder against some person or persons unknown. Her death was therefore added to the Whitechapel murders file. Now we're in 1889, which is a whole year, basically, yeah. July 17th, 1889, the body of Alice McKenzie is found in Castle Alley off Whitechapel High Street. Despite the fact that her injuries were less savage than those inflicted on previous victims, several detectives believed her to have been a victim of Jack the Ripper. September 6th, 1889, September 10th, sorry, 1889, 
the mutilated torso of an unknown woman, woman was found beneath a railway arch in Pinchin Street, although the press at the time noted that the torso bore similar mutilations to those inflicted on his victims by Jack the Ripper, the consensus amongst us amongst the experts is that this was probably not a ripper killing in 18 now we're in 1891 which is at least two years after everything two three years after everything happened with jack the ripper we're in february now in february 13th 1891 the body of of francis coles is found beneath a railway arch in swallow gardens at the time there was speculation that her killing spelled a return for the ripper a sailor named James Thomas Sailor Sadler was arrested, charged, and later acquitted for of her murder. Today, she is not believed to have been a Jack the Ripper victim. Now we got all that done and over with. We talked about all the killings. We're going to go over some uh, suspect that I believe was killer. There has been many named suspects since the killings began, but yet no one was arrested for the actual murders. Ex- I believe it was Aaron Kaminsky. There's a ton of evidence that suggested it was him. He was put into an lunatic asylum around March 1889, which, as you would recall, that was around the time the murder stopped for Jack the Ripper. It was also said he had a deep hatred for women, especially those of prostitute level. He also was said to be odd, like as in he would refuse food and help. Would only drink out of the tap and only eat chunks of bread from the gutter. And if you were to think, during the 1880s, there was not really good sanitation in the streets, so that has been have been disgusting. At one point, he pulled a knife out on his sister. With all this against him, it makes him a very possible candidate to be Jack the Ripper. Now, he has a signature too. Jack the Ripper's signature way to kill what what he would offer to pay for sex, lure the victims onto a secluded street or square, and then slice their throats. He would then brutally disembowel them with the same six-inch knife. I believe he said he slit their throats as a way to silence them for when one's throat is slit, it, it cuts the vocal cords off, and so they cannot yell, they cannot screech, they cannot talk at all. And for the disembowelment, well, back in the medieval times in the United Kingdom, a punishment for treason was disembowelment. Now, if you think about it, most of these women were either courting someone or married, so it is believed in his mind that this was a sick sign of treason to one's husband slash quarter. Okay, deep breath. I know that was a lot of information. Remember the question I asked earlier? If not, that's okay. It was whether or not this case was an injustice or not. Before I answer for my view on it, you will be listening in on this interview I had with Mrs. Schmidt, the sociology and psychology teacher at Kukalko High School. What do you already know about the case? Um, what I know about Jack the Ripper case is that it happened in London. Uh, late 19th century he was never caught and I know he used a knife and like cut people up do you think you can probably put a diagnosis on his mental health based on what we already know well I think you could say he had what we call antisocial personality disorder in psychology it's also known as a sociopath or psychopath 
I think most people who are serial killers would be considered to have that. Um, what that means is that they don't show any remorse. They don't really have empathy for people. They don't seem to have a conscience. They don't. You don't have to be a serial killer to have that. It could just be like a con man who takes advantage of people. But certainly serial killers, I think, would almost always be diagnosed with that. For one thing, they could have other things as well. Do you think that people in the 1800s weren't narrow-minded on things that had to do with what's going on in others' psyche, that they might have been able to narrow down the suspect list and maybe even catch the real killer? Yes, except that in the 1800s, psychology hadn't even really been developed as a science yet. So, you know, they didn't really know anything at all then. But, you know, if it happened today, I think today usually serial killers do get caught. Like, not just the psychology of it, but we have so many other tools, you know, but at, the, at that point, they didn't really understand anything about psychology. No. Do you think the reason it turned into a cold case because it was mainly prostitutes and women who committed adultery? I think there's a good chance of that because like people who are like we call what we call marginalized in society are considered, you know, less worthy. They might not have anybody to advocate for them to like pursue it, have the keep the police busy. Um, I just heard a case. There's a case currently in the U.S. The man who committed these uh, killings is old now he's in prison but he's like getting into his 80s and he's starting to talk about the, all the murders that he committed and they're they think he's probably the killer in the u.s who committed the most murders as a serial killer but he also killed people who were homeless or prostitutes and that's why most of his were never solved but now like he's giving all this information and they're finding out that he really did kill a lot of people but because they were on the outsides of society they weren't pursued maybe the same way if it was like someone wealthy or something. Do you think the women who were killed are unjustified or do you think that what the killer was doing was justified because he was cleaning up the filth of the streets unlike the cops? Yeah, no, I definitely don't think it was justified. I think every human life is equally worthy no matter what you do. And you have to think about the people who are on the outside of society, like prostitutes. I mean, they do that for a reason. Like they've had some kind of hard life or background that led them to that. No one like wants to do that necessarily you know there's always a, you know it's not your dream to be a prostitute so uh yeah i do not think it's justified at all anything else you would like to add or talk about with this topic well i mean just kind of getting back to the psychology of it sometimes people enjoy killing other people which is very weird and very twisted um like i said there can be other disorders that go with it aside from the antisocial personality disorder you know Sometimes people might be manic or they might, you know, there's all, there's a, like a lot of different things, but for sure the antisocial personality disorder is the main one. That's it. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to play it back and see if it works. Now that you have heard from someone who studies psychology, I think I can now figure out what my view is. I think what the, what he did was not justified at, at all, and completely wrong. Though I can see why m many people would say it is justified. I mean, he did clean up the chapel area and was much better once the killing started due to fear of being, well, murdered. So that's my thought. What is, what's yours? And with that, I will see you guys on next week's episode where we will talk about the Zodiac Killer. Bye-bye.